Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about uh, contracts, and we're going to talk about churchism. This is actually uh, the seventh in a series on contracts, and uh, the fourth in the series on churchism, which is a part of that idea, because in the beginning, God made a covenant with us, made an agreement with us, gave us this planet on basic terms, dress it and keep it. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of the, uh, uh, and do eat of the tree of life. And everything else was yours. It was your dominion. You had choices. But who was your counselor? Who was your guide? Is it the tree of life? Was it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And you'll have to listen to the other shows in order to figure out what that's all about. And uh, we're going to continue this series until we exhaust it. And then we may go on to a series on um, what is the gospel of Christ. Because uh, I'm amazed at how many people have little bits and pieces of the gospel of Christ. But it's like getting one of those big jigsaw puzzles and they're missing some of the pieces. Uh, And they're not just missing one or two. They're missing so many that they cannot get a good picture of what the puzzle is. They can't put all the pieces together. And, of course, that's the design of evil, is to keep us from understanding the big picture and to get us to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you can't know it all. God knows it all. And if you're going to try to decide for yourself what is good and evil, what is right and wrong, you're going to miss something. You're not going to be able to put it all together. You have to eat of the tree of life. You have to reach out to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lists where he wills and he is looking for the sincere heart that truly loves God. In order to love God, you must be humble enough to realize that you're not God and that you cannot choose other gods other than him, which is all a part of this. Thou shalt not have no covenants with them nor with their gods. And of course, almost every Christian today does because they've twisted the gospel of Christ into something other than what it was intended. It was also called the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God at hand, the kingdom of heaven at hand, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. It's just Matthew calls it kingdom of heaven. Nobody else does. But he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, the same place that others are saying kingdom of God. So they're the same. And what is the kingdom of God? It's the right to be ruled by God. And if you make covenants with them and their gods, then their their gods have a right to rule over you. Their gods, their ruling judges, have a right to rule over you, the inhabitants where you go. If you make agreements with them, now why would you make agreements with them? To get benefits. To get their sacrifice. Their corbin. That Corbin of the Pharisees made the word of God to none effect. And what is absolutely amazing, and we show this in the books, Covenants of the Gods and Thy Kingdom Come, is that people are actually making covenants 
with the governments of the world, the fathers of the earth, in order to obtain benefits at the expense of their neighbor, so that through covetousness they are made into merchandise, human resources. And they do this mostly, although there's many different layers of this, which is why there are 15 chapters to the covenants of the gods. But the major portion of this, or attaching point of this, is when you get their number. When you apply for the Corbin of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect. The Corbin of the Pharisees was a social welfare system set up by Herod and the Pharisees to provide social benefits for the people at the expense of the people by the authority of the king. In other words, he could compel your offerings. He had soldiers in the temple and the treasury to compel your offerings. Once you signed up with the baptism of Herod, so that there would be enough gold and silver in the coffers of the treasury, the gastophone, to provide you with social benefits if you were blind or injured or old age or or destitute. That was their religion. That is how they took care of the needy of their society, through these forced offerings of Corbin. That's always what Corbin was. It was your sacrifice to take care of the health, education, and welfare of a government set up by Moses where the government workers were called Levites and they were tithed to to pay their salaries. But you get to choose who you're going to tithe to. They did not appoint them from the top down. They appointed them from the bottom up because you chose your Levite minister and he was health, education, and welfare. And he was paid by you because you see him doing a good job. You were kings and priests in your own households. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. I had somebody tell me once when it, you know, what I'm referring to is a particular quote in the Bible that uh, talks about uh, uh, Judges 17.6. In those days... There was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And somebody said, and and of course God did away with that because it was such a mess. So God had a bad idea. And he said, oh, I, I better try something different because God didn't really know what he was doing when he didn't set up a king to begin with. And then why, when they did set up a king, did he say... They rejected me. They rejected me as God. A free society is where everybody can do what is right in their own eyes. A free society under God is when God lives in the hearts and minds of the people. And everybody does what is right in their own eyes and their eyes are opened by God. That is the kingdom of God. And there is no king in Israel because every man is king in his own castle and every woman is his queen and and the only subjects are his children. And there is a separation of powers because there's a separation of families and each family is free and independent. 
And this was, that's what they talked about in Leviticus 25.10. And he says, then you shall hollow the 50th year because everybody would be proclaiming liberty throughout all the land unto the inhabitants thereof. And he says, ye shall return every man unto his possessions. That means your stuff is your stuff. It's not my stuff. It's not the king's stuff. It's not the government's stuff. It's your stuff. Every man shall be returned to his possessions, and ye shall return every man unto his precinct. No, no, that's not what it says. It doesn't say precinct uh, to his state. No, no, it doesn't say state. What does it say? It says return every man unto his family. Family was the institution of God. When you got married, it was a covenant between you, your spouse, and the state. No, 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 it doesn't say that. You, your spouse, and the Father in heaven. That's holy matrimony. The union of your wife into your family. She leaves her family, and she enters your family. Not under the authority of your father, who may be still giving you permission to get married, like Samson, but in the, uh, not, which would be the potestas, but in the imperium of your family. Potestas is the power. So she doesn't go under the power of your father. She goes under your power. So her matrix is united with your family so that when she has children it will and you were to die or get sick or injured your family would be responsible to care for her children and for her because she had her matrix had entered into your family that was holy matrimony you're separating the the husband wasn't leaving his family he got permission to get married but the woman was leaving her family and becoming a part of the man and in uniting that way this is the way the descendancy went she didn't go back to her own family in the case of Naomi and Ruth Naomi had two sons, and they married women. And they died, or actually were probably executed, before those women bore children. So, because they had no child, and therefore there was no evidence of the the consummation of that marriage, they could return to their own families. Because they had left their families when they got married and entered into the family of Naomi and her husband and their husbands. But Ruth, once one went back, one of the wives went back to her father and her family. But Ruth said, no, I'm going to go with Naomi. And she went with Naomi and eventually she married Boaz and eventually their children were the ancestors of Christ. But this is this is the government of God, the family. So how do families come together without relinquishing their imperium? Without diminishing their potestas, their power, 
in their family. Well, obviously, if they come together under an emperor, he has their imperium. He is their father. He is their patronus. And the legislature, the senate in those days, was called the patri, the fathers. But Jesus said, call no man father on earth. Today, your patri is the U.S. Senate and the Congress. And the father of them has become the chief executive officer who now does all kinds of things that used to be reserved just for the legislature. We imagine that the Constitution created a government that God wanted. He he only wanted it for the, the wicked, those that had rejected him and would not be ruled by him. Those who wanted to have a central ruler, a captain, an authority. And we're going to get into this and show how you've made this covenant. And we've already, you've got to go read the series or listen to the series. We have an audio series on it. They're all available online for free of contracts, covenants, and constitutions. And we, we put the constitution in the light of the Bible. And it, it really goes against, it's a very iconoclastic. It goes against what a lot of modern Christians think. Because they think the, the, the constitution was divinely inspired. Well, it might have been divinely inspired by a God, but it wasn't the God. <laughs> it, it was what needed to be done. Because people had not yet repented enough. There were some that were. And and most people, most of the people in America objected to the Constitution, would not have voted for it, would have been voted down had it been put to a vote of the people. But we, the people of the United States, was not the people of America. It was the people of the United States. And the United States was separate from the states. Even after it was implemented, the states were as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada. That's right out of Clark's summary of U.S. American law. So, anyway, men made an agreement. They took that agreement to the states. The states agreed to it. The state governments agreed to the agreement eventually. And it was implemented to create a United States federal government outside of the states with very little, almost no jurisdiction within the states. Certainly no jurisdiction over the Americans living on their land in fee simple, untaxed by all the world, becoming a tough nut for any imperial power to crack. Which was a quote directly out of James Truslow Adams and we quote it in the book Covenants of the Gods. But all that's changed. Our relationship with that government has changed. We are now citizens of the United States federal government and only residents in our local state. And, and I know that goes over the head of a lot of people, but the point is is that we are making covenants. And those covenants, the motivation is covetousness. We desire benefits. And you cannot apply for those benefits without repercussion because there are strings attached to those applications. And in the 50th year, they do not intend to return every man to his possessions. They own your land, they own your children, and they own you, and you are collateral for debt, and you are back in the bondage of Egypt. 
God sent Moses to deliver you out of the bondage of Egypt. The people were going back into the bondage of Egypt when they were in Judea under Herod and the Pharisees' government, which was making the word of God to none effect. And Christ came to deliver them out again. But modern Christians are back in it again. That's the fruits of your Christianity is that you've all gone back into the bondage of Egypt worse than it was in Egypt. And you are now, you know, they, they you got people out protesting abortion. But they aren't dealing with the problem. What has created this abortion? Why are people casting out their brephos, their fetuses, which is what they talk about in Acts. They cast out their brephos, and that's the word for fetuses. Not small children, but fetuses. This is what they were doing in Egypt. This is what you're doing. It's because you're in the bondage of Egypt, and this is what it's led to. You go protest and try to get some constitutional amendment to do away with abortion. It's not going to do away with the problem. The problem is, you, to covetousness, you have been made merchandise. You have come into agreement with a spirit that wants you dead. That does not love you. And this is why I was saying in the earlier shows that a contract is not just, you know, some sort of an agreement where I will do this and you will do that and you will do this and I. It's an agreement. It You agree that it's okay to take away from your neighbor in order to obtain benefits. When you made that agreement, your eyes were closed. Scales came over your eyes. You, you approached a deity which is not the deity of God. It's the deity of Satan. And your mind has changed. And you see it today when you look out in the political arenas. You know, you have conservatives supposedly over here. And, and then you have, uh, or hey, let's put it in the terms of left and right. You are to look to neither to the left or the right. <laughs> you are to look to Christ. But you have, people think that you can be a leftist and a Christian. You cannot. You cannot even really be someone over on the right and be a Christian, although they always think that they are. Not true Christians, not true followers. Because if you're true followers of Christ, you wouldn't be applying to Caesar for anything. You know, one of the early so-called church fathers, who was not the father of the church established by Christ, but another church, actually appeared in the Senate and argued that we needed to persecute those that did not become Christians, the pagans. He actually asked the Senate to persecute those people who would not get baptized and become Christians. But it was his brand of Christianity. He wasn't moving from Christ. This was a false teacher, bringing in a damnable heresy of persecuting those that would not comply with his brand of Christianity, which had nothing to do with Christ. And false Christianity was born. And we talk about that in the book, That Kingdom Comes, and, and document it. So you can actually see. I mean, we have his speech still. In black and white, you can read it. And yet he's called the, uh, one of the church fathers but not the church established by Jesus Christ, not his holy church. 
So anyway, we're, we're to return every man to his family and every man to his possessions. And that's what Christ was doing for those who got the baptism of Christ. They were cast out of the system of Corbin, of the Pharisees that had brought them into bondage, had numbered them, had given them an ID stone where they were numbered and entered into a book and become a registered servant of the state where they had to bow down and serve the state and give it funds so that the state supposedly would take care of the needy of their society. Yet even at the time of Christ, the funds were being pilfered so much so that the people feared there wouldn't be those funds. Benefits were decreasing and they actually rioted in the streets and the riot had to be put down with men with clubs. This is at the time of Christ and reported and mentioned by Christ. And other historians talk about the same event. And Christ talked about it in relationship to Pontius Pilate because he was he was the guy who implemented the putting it down as the chief financial officer of Rome in Judea. And we've talked about that before. So anyway... In Deuteronomy 17.16, it says you are not to multiply your horses uh, to himself, meaning the king, if you choose a ruler who can exercise authority. It was not to multiply horses. It doesn't mean he couldn't be a horse farmer. It had to do with a cavalry, an army at his beck and call. Nor cause, you know, like the Praetorian Guard or the Secret Service or the FBI or any of those things are all part of the soldiers of the state, professional army. Hired by the state. Now, they they didn't need that in Israel before they had a king. Because there was a hue and cry. Everybody had to defend righteousness. Stand up for righteousness. Protect their neighbor. Had to love their neighbor as themselves. When the whole nation does that, you don't you don't need a standing army to enforce the law. The law is written in the hearts and minds of the people. We're so far away from that, you can't even imagine a government like that. And for most of you, you, you never will see it. But those of you who want to actually preach the kingdom of God, this is what you need. In order to hear that hue and cry, in order to answer that response, you need to know who each other are. So therefore, you need to network together and you need to gather together. And that's what Israel was doing and that's what Moses explained. And that's what the early church was doing. But that's not what you're doing. You're running around with your religious philosophies and interpretations and your calendars and your and your keeping of days and feasts, but you've lost the spirit of it. You know, somebody who was at one of our festivals here, the Burning Bush Festival, which is in the fall, uh, complained that we, you know certain things we were not doing right. We didn't he didn't like the way we were doing our calendar and. Although we don't have a calendar, we just agree on a date and we gather together. I haven't addressed the calendar issue. I I don't think that's a priority. I think the priority is the spiritual issue. Not putting more rituals first, but getting back to the Spirit. And the evidence of the Spirit is that you're actually taking care of the needy in your society through faith, hope, and charity and personal sacrifice. You do that, we'll figure out the calendar after that. But until you're, you know that much, you don't have the spirit. So how will you figure out? And anyway, I just got an email from him last night where he's made another revelation. 
about the technicalities of his calendar. So he had two Passovers this year. One, and then he discovered that there was some sort of error in his calculation, and so now he had another one. But that is not the answer. That is not the solution. But we're going to talk about the solution when we get back. And we're going to start chugging away at this faster and faster. And we're going to try to get get some real revelation going here in your mind so you realize there is a path. There is a way. And that is the way of Christ. Which you have not been taught. But we will teach you. But really, you need to learn it in your heart and in your mind. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And, yeah, we made lots of contracts and we returned to the bondage of Egypt. And in, like I was saying in Deuteronomy 17:16, it says that if you were to elect a leader... You were to write down in your constitution that he could do nothing to cause the people to return to Egypt. The word Egypt means bondage. The end uh, uh, of which we have done, we've returned to the bondage of Egypt, except it's not 20% of everything you earn goes to the government to take care of your welfare. It's far more than that. And uh, it says, For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. What way? The way where the government compels you to pay in, and then the government takes care of the needy of your society. And your priests and, and, and temple guards are the ones who provide the, that religion, that that care for the needy of your society through this compelled offering. This is Egypt. That is what Egypt is. And what it leads to is the fact that you don't need the family anymore, so you end up, uh, you know, you, you just, you just have, uh, unnatural use of the, your sexual activity, which leads to all kinds of promiscuity, including homosexuality. Because you become selfish. You know, when when you have to work to produce what you're going to get, when you have to, when your children are your only social welfare, you will put a lot more attention into your children. And your children will note the love that you have for them. If you abuse your children, expect to be abused as an older, in, in your old age. If you love your children, expect your children to love you in your old age. There's a natural governing in society when you depend upon the family. But you haven't been returned to the family. Your father's in some government capital somewhere, London or wherever. That's your father. And you were told to call no man on earth your father. You say you believe in Jesus, but you're, you, you have made the state your father. You have made the state your religion. That's how you take care of the needy of your society to the, the world that you are a part of. You were to live in the world, but not of the world. But you do live of the world. You pray to the world for your benefits. And you have returned to the bondage of Egypt. And the result of returning to the bondage of Egypt eventually will be that you will cast out your children, your brephos, your fetuses. And that's why you have abortion. So forget about 
protesting abortion clinics. I mean, fine if you want to go there and offer people help rather than abortion. That's great. I think that's great. But they will have their abortion clinics, whether you like it or not. Because they've gone another way. They have made covenants with another spirit. And that's the way they want to go. And you don't have any right to stop them from going that way. What you have to do is turn around and go the other way. Which means you have to start providing your benefits. Not by praying to someone who who calls himself a benefactor, but exercises authority one over the other, which Christ said you were not to do. But you have to start coming together and taking care of the needy of your society. When I talk about hue and cry, I don't just mean when somebody robs you. I mean when you have a need. You go to church. And you say, I have a need. And they come and they help you. You know, if you read in Numbers 14.4, and it says, and... They said one to another, let us make a captain. Let us return into Egypt. That's how you get to Egypt. You elect a captain, a ruler. The word there, captain, in the Hebrew, it's the word rosh, rashe. You know, it's a, it's a resh elaf shem. It's translated 349 times head. It's only translated 10 times captain. Translated almost 100 times chief. 73 times top. 14 times beginning. 5 times principal. 6 times first. What you've done is you've elected your principal civitas. Your first man. Your principal man, your president, and he rules over you. He decides what is good and evil for you and for your neighbor. You wanted to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare because he's richer than you. You wanted to have your public schools and your health care. You know, I, I think it's funny. I just actually heard this story this morning. Um, there's a. Department of uh, Health and Human Services, which should be your church, but and it is your church, except for the Department of Health and Human Services is run by the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And they have a secretary in charge of that right now, and it's a woman, and her name is Kathleen Sibelius, I think it is, or something like that. Anyway, um, she's been calling major health providers and uh asking for donations for the new health care <laughs> they 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 can't collect enough they're not getting enough support from congress so she's actually going out and requesting donations from the healthcare industry to get this implemented of course the idea is once it's implemented then the healthcare industry will get guaranteed funds from the government and they will force you to buy their health care, force you to buy their medicines, force you to buy their products. And so she's out soliciting donations for their health All your health care should be based on either what you earn or your children can provide for you or the donations of people in free assemblies. You either have free assemblies or you don't. If you don't have free assemblies, then you're not free, period. That's it. 
So if you want to force your neighbor, then your neighbor gets to force you and you are no longer free. You are in bondage and that's where you're at right now. You're in the bondage of Egypt and you've returned that way because you did not put the five basic precepts for a constitution listed off in detail in the Bible in your constitution. You only put one in, which meant that he could not be a foreigner. Your leader could not be a foreigner. That's the only one you put in and they don't even bother with that. You have returned to the bondage of Egypt because you're, you have turned away from the way of Christ. You're not following the gospel of Christ. You do not really believe in Christ. Somebody has held up an image of Christ that was false and you believed in that and you followed after that and now you're back into bondage. But anyway, I said we, we would move along a little bit faster here. Uh, so anyway, we're supposed to be returning every man to his family. How does that work? Then, you, you, one thing, you get, a, uh, your, your marriage should be like we talk about in Holy Matrimony versus Marriage, which is the first chapter of the Covenants of the Gods, because family is the foundation of society, and we need to focus on the family. And the family need to come together in free assemblies and take care of the needy of their society by faith, hope, and charity instead of by praying to men who exercise authority to force them to contribute to their welfare. That simple. If you're not working for that, you're not seeking the kingdom of God. You're not seeking to be ruled by God. You're seeking to be ruled by others or seeking to be ruled by nobody. Because Christ came to serve, you should be coming to serve one another. You go to church for not what you can get out of church, but for what you can bring to others that have true and honorable needs. The kingdom of God, the gospel of Christ, the message of the Bible was for this world, and then, by default, the next. It was to be free in this world, not of this world. When they say not of this world, they're not talking about of the planet. We were given dominion of the planet. This is our home. This is where God put us. When they say, my kingdom's not of this world, they meant constitutional order or system of government. That's what the word meant. People say we're not under the law. You're under the laws of the world because you are of the world and you have sought the world, the constitutional order and systems of government to provide you with benefits even though you know that they don't give you anything except what they take away from your neighbor. And to that covetousness you have been made merchandise. And your temporal salvation is non-existent. You are in bondage. The only way that your father will set you free is to turn around and go back. You have chosen your captain and returned to the bondage of Egypt. Now, what Christ did was he became king of Judea. Recognized as king of Judea by the Romans, the kingdom, according to prophecy. And as king, he appointed his kingdom to the princes of his kingdom, the apostles. And he said, but you are not to be like the princes of the other nations who exercise authority but you are to be servants. He created offices of service when he appointed the kingdom to the apostles and the apostles and the 120 in the upper room. That's what he was doing. 
He was creating offices of service. They could not exercise authority, but they still had to supply health, educational, welfare. They had to be that office that you see in the world that exercises authority. But now I was actually asking donations. What happened was the false church rose up and began to exercise authority. Which is why we have Lady Godiva on the front cover of our free church report. Fully clothed. Because she never took off her clothes. She never rode through town naked. (laughs) That's all made up hundred years later. What she did was she gave up her wealth to help the needy of her society. And she was said, if you will do that, I will not charge the people the tax to support the church. That's what it was all about. There was an order to tax the people to support the church. And she said, we can't do that. Don't do that. Don't put that burden on the people. We have to take care of the the needy to faith, hope, and charity. He says, well, if you will give up your wealth, I won't charge the tax. And she did. She was one of the wealthiest women in Great Britain. Mentioned in the Doomsday Book. And this was her second husband. Her first husband had died. He was just he as philanthropic as her. When he saw how charitable she was, he became just as charitable. These were remarkable people. And that's why they don't want you to know about what they were really doing. So they make up titillating stories about naked women on horses. So you will never figure out what's really going on. The offices of the church, what were they to do? To take care of health, education, and welfare. But to service one to the other. Of loving one another. How do you do that? Do do, do you pick one guy? Some captain, some ruler over you? No. You do it by picking, you know, ten families, picking a minister. And this is what they did. This is why they had deacons. Deacons were the ministers of ten. And then those ten ministers got together and they picked a minister. And you called that man an overseer. Because he was a minister to ten men who were ministers to ten families, which means that he was a minister to a hundred through them. But he did not exercise authority. He was not under rules and regulations. He was doing all this by love because all Christ did was create offices of service, not offices of power. You see, it's the world upside down. You're kings and queens in your own house. And this is why we're talking about this churchism. He doesn't understand that almsgiving to one man in ten families, you know what he's doing with those alms. You know who he's taking care of. He's reporting to you directly. He is Christ's servant on your behalf, making sure that no... And they talk about this in the first and second century church where they would send a deacon out for those who couldn't make it to the church meeting to make sure that they had enough to get through some very hard times. You're going to have those hard times. You have no infrastructure based on the way of Christ in place to do this. And you're worried about Muslims. And you're worried about, uh, you know, who's going to be president. Who's going to be righteous? That's what you should be worried about. Who's going to take care of one another? Who's going to come together in service? That service is your worship. 
To do what Christ said is worshiping Christ. Feed my sheep. Love one another. Do not forsake the gathering together. We have people in Las Vegas. They could use some company. They should gather together. This is why we have the network. They're not all on the Internet. So if you're on the Internet, you should volunteer to to come into contact with the others in, in Vegas or in San Francisco area or, or San Jose or Missouri or New Jersey or New York or Kansas or Texas, Austin, Texas or near Waco. You need to gather together. Bad things happen to others. And so you should be willing to have the hue and cry to be there for them. To watch, protect them. We just had somebody who was completely robbed because he couldn't be at his home. And nobody was there to help him or watch his stuff or care for him. He was all alone. You have to start showing up for others so that others will show up for you in hopes, not forcing, no contract. Your contract is with God alone. Your covenant is with God alone. There is no other person you make a covenant with. When you gather in our free assemblies, which we call congregations of record, you're not bound to do anything. You gather together in hope that you do what's right. This is the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom. This is the way it works. You have to come to serve one another. That's love. To reaffirm your idea of righteousness. And hope and pray that it comes into conformity, into agreement with the righteousness of Christ. Or are you going to keep praying to men who take from others to provide you with your benefits? If you do that, then it's false religion. It's not pure religion. Because it's spotted by the world, the ones who, the constitutional orders and systems of government that exercise authority one over the other, like the princes of the Gentiles, that you are not to be like. I appoint unto you a kingdom, but you are not to be like the princes of the Gentiles. This is Christ. And someone says that they had no offices in the church, they had no property, they absolutely had property. Long before Constantine Emperors were already, and courts were already returning property to the church. Why did they have property so they could be wealthy and rich and have big crystal cathedrals? No. There were churches built back there in the first century under Nero to bury the dead in that were persecuted under Nero. They still stand to this day. They were built with private funds by the nieces and nephews of Paul the Apostle. They still stand. But they weren't churches like you go to. They were where people took care of one another through this network of tens, hundreds, and thousands, which you find all throughout Europe. We explain all this in the whole book, Thy Kingdom Come, which I'm not going to read to you in the next few minutes on this show. But this is what it's all about. In order to gather together, you had to forgive one another. You didn't create all kinds of theologies and doctrines and, oh, we got to do it this way and we got to do it on this day and we got to do it this way or, or that way. Worship 
in the church was loving one another, feeding the sheep when there was need, taking care of the widows and orphans, taking care of the indigent, the helpless, when there was true need. But not taking care of the immoral and selfish and and, uh, uh, despicable and wicked. They have the governments of the world to do that. They in in the book in the story of churchism, uh, the article he says fulfilling our uh, presumed obligation to God in Sunday services. There's no services on Sunday. It's just rituals. It's just song and dance. It's just entertainment. So that you feel good about the fact that you're, there is no hue and cry. You're not taking care of the needy of your society. That's all done by men who exercise authority. Completely opposite of what Jesus said. Service is actual service. He, he goes on to say, we don't have to give alms to the needy because we have already given to the office, at the office, to, at the church. He puts in, in parentheses. Oh, you gave at the office of the Homeland Security or whatever, you know, country you're in. I'm not speaking to any particular government. I'm talking about the government of God. The government of God is you do go to the minister that you have chosen and nine other families have chosen and you do pay him. And he gathers, spends time every week gathering together with nine other ministers like himself who are watching over ten families. And now you're watching over a hundred families. And they pick a minister and he's connecting them with nine other ministers who are connecting them with ten other congregations of congregations. And so now you have your tens, hundreds and thousands. And tens of thousands. And hundreds of thousands. And that is your insurance. But it's not insurance. It's assurance. It's mutual share. You take care of all your medical bills. Everything you could do through this. You could you could actually take care of one another. And when there are shortages of food and everything else, you can be there for one for each other. It will still be hard, but you will survive. But if you're just looking for, you know, your, your four or five buddies and you're going to go build a cabin in the woods and you're going to stockpile it with all kinds of beans and ammo you're not thinking kingdom if if you're thinking well I just go to church and I, I sing beautiful songs and, and, and the preacher tells me I'm saved and I go home feeling really good well you're just as lost as the other guys because your religion is the religion of the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. That's where you're giving and that's where you go and apply for your needs. The, the, the federal government is the biggest alms giver that there is in the United States. A single alms giver. But they only give what they take away from your neighbor which is why you're in bondage. That's why Peter says, to covetousness, they will make merchandise of you. Human resources, collateral for debt. And that's what you've done. Because you haven't been going to the church established by Jesus Christ. You've been going to false churches. The deception is so pervasive. I mean, there's no way 
that I can give you the good news without it being bad news because you've accepted false news as truth. It says uh, in his article, while at church we gave back to God 10% of what we can as God's church requires. What more can be asked of us? Well, he's he's not talking about Christ. He's talking about the false church. Tithe was to support the government. This is this is what tithing was. The Levites were the government. They were the health, educational, welfare of an entire nation. You get to choose whichever Levite you wanted to contribute to, and you would choose wisely. You would choose the ones that were doing the most service. It was a free government with no king, no centralized authority forcing you to contribute. That was a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. But if God was not in their hearts, if love was not in their hearts, they would not be successful. They would fail. But picking a ruler who could exercise authority was a rejection of God then. It's a rejection of God now. If you want to return to God and His church, you need to gather together for the purposes of serving one another. Not just your local congregation, but you have to love your next congregation as much as you love yourself. This is what service is. This is what worship is. To do what Christ actually said. And this is what we all need to do. We'll be back, the keys of the kingdom. And we'll talk more about the good works of Christ when we return to keys of the kingdom. Till then, may peace be upon your house and God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, and we're talking about churchism, which is based on churchism.org's articles. And uh, originally that started on one of our Facebook pages. 
we have a newsletter that goes out. If you want to get that newsletter, you got to join uh, either Kingdom News List, but more important, join the Living Network, which is going to connect you to people in your local areas. And if you want to volunteer to actually worship Christ and serve Christ, then volunteer to be a connection point for others seeking the ways of the kingdom, the ways of righteousness, the ways that set you free, the ways that return every man to his family and every man to his possessions. If you want to do that, if you want to do, if you want to come to serve, volunteer to be a local contact minister. We call them PCMs, personal contact ministers. And we will try to get two people to choose you as their personal contact minister somewhere in your area. And some sometimes in some of the states, especially, the people are pretty spread out. But we're starting to... And then once you have those contacts, then you can form a congregation of record where you're going to actually try to take care of the needs of one another. Help one another. Serve one another. And... In that process, you will come into agreement with Christ because Christ came to serve. And when you start coming into agreement with Christ, you will be rejected by the world and those that you've already made agreements with. So you don't realize that by applying to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other, you are coming into agreement with the adversary of Christ. You are getting scales over your eyes so you do not really see the gospel of the kingdom. By simply resenting the world and refusing to pay what you owe, the tally of bricks that Caesar or Pharaoh demands, you do not get any closer to Christ. You do not come any closer to agreement with Christ. You're just a rebel. Satan loves rebels. He is the ultimate rebel. He loves you to rebel. It's a challenge to him. Because he will manipulate you. Because you're still eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you say, I'm going to reject um, their their form of religion, and you, you start rejecting their ceremonies, the way in which they do things, their, you know, the, their rituals, and their keeping of days and feasts. You reject them and then you, you create your own. You still have not get closer to Christ. How do you get closer to Christ? The only way you get closer to Christ is service and sacrifice. Forgiveness and giving. That's what you have to do. You have to do that. Now, you don't have to do it to me. You can do it to anybody you want. But you have to start seeking His Spirit to lead your actions. And that will take you in a certain direction. That will take you in a certain way. That will bring you into agreement. And the Holy Spirit will enter into your life and guide you. Years and years ago, I was telling somebody just the other day, I I made a choice not to do something that was, you know, commonly accepted. But I, I knew I couldn't make a decision. I could not figure out something. And I said, I, I can't figure this out. I, I, I can't come. You have to show me. I realized that I could not eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. I could not figure it out myself. I said, you have to show me. Once I made that decision, I didn't realize how profound that was. It was just in, in one area. 
of, of aspect. I actually, well, I'll tell you, I stopped dating. I wouldn't date. I said I couldn't. I can't pick a wife. I don't know how to do it. I don't because women they put on a face. They put on uh, an image, and they've been taught to do this. So you you can't tell who is who. I said this is hopeless. I can't do it. I just knew I couldn't do it. I said you have to pick them. And so I stopped dating. Dating's kind of like shopping. And this was this was years ago. I'm an old guy. This is long before what what are they? Um, no date. They have different books out now about no dating and all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of a little movement in parts of Christianity. But I, nobody I knew was doing that. I just, just said uh, I left it to God, and the story was miraculous after that. But I, I also realized that it affected other things. The way I was at work, that I began to realize that you know who I was going to fire. I didn't decide that. It wasn't my decision. It was, it, it was just. Uh, you know, actually, I never had to fire anybody. The one guy threatened not to do what the owner of the company wanted done, <laughs> and I said, "Really?" And he says, "No, I'm not going to do that." And I said, uh, "Okay, well, why don't you get your time card and I'll sign you out?" <laughs> and he came back later and said, "Uh, well, maybe I will do that." <laughs> so, and I really wasn't firing him. It, as far as I was concerned, he said, "I quit." I'm not going to do it. And I thought, we don't have a choice. The owner of the company wants it done this way. And you don't want to do that, so you're telling me you quit, right? I mean, I didn't voice all that, but in my head, that's the way I saw it. I didn't realize I was firing him. I thought he just quit because he said he's not going to do the job. And actually, we had the same problem on the network. And I just said, do you want to volunteer? To help one another. To become a personal contact minister for people in your area. So that they call you to contact you. And then you help put them in contact with the rest of the network. Because that's kingdom thinking. We're not trying to just build your little local congregation. Had a numerous guys come and do that. A fellow in Texas. A fellow in Minnesota. A fellow in uh, uh, Carolina's uh they they want to build their congregation. As long as they want to build their congregation, they're not building kingdom. As long as they're imposing their view of religion instead of simply what religion is. Religion is how you take care of the needy of your society. It's, it's that simple. I mean, somebody's hungry, they're hungry. If they don't have food, they don't have food. You know, and so you help them out. But it needs to be First, within your congregation, other people seeking the kingdom. How do you know they're seeking the kingdom? Is because they're trying to serve others. Old lady on Social Security or welfare or whatever, she comes, she wants to, she will skimp her pennies so that she can help others. She, she will help, she will go over to other members of the congregation and babysit to help them so that they can go out and work. She will, she will come trying to figure out ways in which she can be of service to others. We have a, a widow in this community that's always trying to help and always willing to help out. 
in different ways. Although she's getting older and more feeble, she actually uh, just went and got her driver's license yesterday. She doesn't have a birth certificate. Never got one. Home birth. I mean, she's like almost a century old. And the DMV won't give you your driver's license without a birth certificate and a social security number. And the DMV minister, <laughs> the guy behind the counter, said, this is your lucky day, because we'll, we'll give you the, the, the license. Uh, even though she didn't have it. Now, it's funny because, you know, my kids didn't have them. They wouldn't give it to us. They won't give it to me. Um, but, uh, it, it, but that's their, their priesthood. Their, their bureaucracy is their priesthood. That is your priests and ministers. That's who, that's your health, education, and welfare. That, those are the ones that give you your ID. They identify you as a child of the state. And they say, well, okay, we will give you those ID. And there's a division taking place. I mean, for years, you could be in the world, but not of the world. But now, you gotta be of the world, or they won't give you anything. And, you know, go read Title 42, Section 666, <laughs> the U.S. Codes. And you will see that without their number, you can't get anything. You can't get a marriage license, a driver's license, nothing. You gotta have their number. Title 42, Section 666. Go read it yourself. Anyway, uh, that's another whole story. But the point is, you need to come together and start seeking the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates by faith, hope, and charity. They do not operate by force. Until John the Baptist, everybody tried to establish their kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, kingdom whatever, by force. You join, we force everybody to contribute and we can guarantee your benefits that's the kingdom of the world that's the way the world operates the constitutional order and systems of government of the world that's what that means we operate by faith, hope and charity unless you're creating a network working to create a network of people that will take care of the needy of your society by faith, hope and charity Unless you're working daily for that, you're not seeking the kingdom daily. You're seeking the delusion of salvation, which is what most Christians have. Now, I know there are charitable people out there that have been seduced into the false church. But you need to start coming into agreement with Christ and start worshiping Christ by feeding his sheep. Do you love me? Christ says to Peter. Yes, you know I do. Do you love me? Yeah, Christ, why do you ask it? Of course I do. Do you love me? Yes. Then he says, feed my sheep. This was before some of the greatest famines and, and, and depressions of the Roman Empire. And this is what the early church was doing. In order to do this, they had to have offices. So this guy who's talking about churchism and says that nowhere, da, 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 Look, right away. If, to be one of my disciples, you have to do this, 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 this. You have to feed my sheep. You have to take care of one another. Love one another. What do you think that means? How are you going to do that? If you don't gather together. Why do we see everywhere throughout the church tens, hundreds, and thousands? From Great Britain, to Germany, to Italy, to Gaul, France... 
You see him organizing in tens, hundreds, and thousands. For a thousand years, that's the way they were. Now, there was another church that came along and just said, no, we have central, you know, like one bishop for an entire city. That's not the way they did it. When Constantine called for his council, the invitations were sent out to 1,200 known episcopos, bishops, overseers. Now, an overseer was an overseer of ten ministers who were... He's not a ruler. He can't hew them. They are the stones of the altar. He can't regulate them. He is their minister. He is their servant. What is the major portion of his service to those ministers? Keep them connected. So that they are a network. That's his main job. To keep them connected. If something happens over to this guy, he needs to make sure that the other guy... He's going to move around. He's going to be connected to them. And what is their main job? Health, education, and welfare for the local congregation. Families. Of families. In free assembly. You have the right to freely assemble. To take care... And if you were doing this, you'd be exempt from the modern health care. You'd be excluded. Really quick. And you would be in the world, but not of the world. But you're all of the world. You all pray to the world for your benefits, for your welfare, even though you know they have to take from your neighbor. And I repeat this over and over again, but nobody else in the church is saying it. So I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Why don't we see big, long, hour-long dissertations by John the Baptist in the Bible? Because he's got one message. Make straight the way of the Lord. What is the way of the Lord? The way of the Lord is faith, hope, and charity. What is your way? Your way is to pray to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other, contrary to what Christ said, yet you tell me you believe in Christ. Boulder dash. That's a lie. You don't believe in Christ. You don't even know Him. If you're praying to men who call themselves benefactors to get benefits at the expense of your neighbor, you're not a Christian. Period. You're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Christ. You're not following His ways. You're not doing what He said to do. You're a hypocrite. And you go to an apostate church with a big screen TV. And you say you're a believer. I don't know what you believe in. Pure religion. Undefiled. Before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. To visit them, why? Just to say, hi, how you doing? To take care of the needy of your society. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Unspotted from the world. We Go, go read our article on pure religion. Threskia, pure Threskia. It's what you do. You know, I mean, people think religion is, you know, I got my holy days and my calendars and my and my feasts and my festivals and my uh, my Sunday church and you know my vestments and my you know rosary beads. No, religion 
It's how you take care of the needy of your society. In Romans 13, 8, 10, it says, We read, Owe no man anything but to love one another. Hey, in the world, you owe everything. Every time you turn around, you owe. And they're the ones who take care of the needy of your society. Do forced contributions. Contrary to what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist said to do it to charity. For he that loveth his neighbor hath fulfilled the law. Do you love your neighbor or do you covet your neighbor's goods? See? You blew it. You are so far from the kingdom. You better start repenting. I mean, you're running out of time. You, you've, you're breaking every rule in the book. And he goes on. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in the saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Your system is not based on loving your neighbor. Your health care system, your social security system, your educational system, it's not based on loving your neighbor. No wonder you've got abortion in the streets. You can't even mention God in your schools anymore. Now, here's, a, here's an article that just came up. Uh, if I can find it really quick, somebody sent it to me this morning. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, okay, yeah, here we go. California State Assembly passed a bill Thursday mandating schools permit boys to play to play on girls' athletic teams and utilize the ladies' locker room. If they gender identify as girls or vice versa for the girls identify as boys. So now you get to have, I mean, the state assembly passed this bill that the boys can use the girls locker room if they feel like a girl that day. <laughs> Boy, you're going to, you know, and, and a kid was just, uh, went to a, um, a track meet and, uh, a bunch of kids there at a track meet for some state thing, and uh, and he won the race, the relay race. And when he won the relay race, he pointed in the direction that they went, like that yeah, we went fast, and he pointed up to heaven, and he thanked God. That was his way of thanking God. That's all he did. Point up to heaven. Suspended. <laughs> pointed to heaven. <laughs> And you think you have freedom of religion. Why do you even have your kids in school? And if you were gathered together, you could have them out of school. And the elderly people that are looking for a job, they could help the families who have both husband and wife working. And therefore, they can't. They think, I can't homeschool. Yeah, you can. I just uh, I mentioned Las Vegas. I had a lady call me from Las Vegas. She's got all kinds of books. She's got all kinds of time on her hand. Well read. She could help you homeschool your kids in Las Vegas. You give her a few bucks and she would be help, happy for the opportunity. And then you get to know her better and you could form congregations. And you would put your elderly to use. That's one of the hardest things for elderly to deal with is their feeling of uselessness. You can, you can change that. You can hear the hewing cry. And you can come there for one another. I mean, that, that whole, whole bill went back, and it says the bill authors openly homosexual San Francisco Democrat Tom 
uh, Amiano uh, has been an advocate of lesbian and gay, bisexual and transgender, or I don't even know what this stands for, LGBT issues for uh, decades and reportedly became in 1975 the first San Francisco public school teacher to make his homosexuality public. Uh, so anyway, so now you got that to look forward to in San Francisco. So when is the quake coming? <laughs> so anyway, um, the fact is, is this is inevitable. This is going to take place because you've already turned away from the ways of God. You've made family superfluous. Most children are raised in single family homes. And yet statistics show that families, you know, children raised in single family homes are more likely to go to jail. More likely to have emotional problems. More likely to have all kinds of problems, which we're seeing. And and you wonder why this is coming about. You've already emasculated your family. And then, of course, you've got the media. You've got school. You shouldn't have your children in school. You should be teaching them home. That's what made America great, you know, which we've already talked about a half a dozen times. But anyway, so it's going back to so that the church should be the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. If you read our literature, which is all free online, you can download for free, you will start to see that the church was an embryonic republic in America. It was so many embryonic republics that it was naturally to move towards a republic. You're not in a republic anymore. You're in a democracy within the republic. And a democracy always lead to communism, and communism always leads to the death and destruction of millions and millions of people. And that's where you're headed destruction of the economy uh, which will centralize power even more and more because people won't have enough food and people won't have the jobs and their money will become worthless always happens I mean I don't have to have a crystal ball figure this out I just study history this is where it goes you know he says Romans uh, 1 verse 27 and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. So, sound familiar? This is this is way back then. This is what's going to happen because you already rejected the ways of God. You 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 went to the churchism of a false church away from the churchism of Christ. The churchism of Christ is coming together to, for the purposes of taking care of one another so that you don't have to go to the world, the organized systems of men who have benefactors who exercise authority, who aren't really benefactors. They only give you what they take from others. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient uh, that you're given over to this reprobate mind you think this is okay well that's it's inevitable that your public schools will teach this it's inevitable and even your some of your private schools will do it because it's pervasive it's like a disease 
and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They wanted to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to decide for themselves. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, covetousness, desiring benefits at the expense of your neighbor, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. It's suddenly evil for a boy after winning a race to point up to heaven. I thank God. Points up to heaven. Oh, you're out. Disqualified. You pointed to heaven. My gosh. How far have you gone? You're not going to get back unless you start taking the simple steps of taking care of one another. Taking care of one another's education. Taking care of one another's health. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to go the without understanding covenant breakers. All those guys who don't want to pay the taxes you owe, want to get out of the system unrighteously, without creating an alternative system. You want to just run out Egypt. You don't want to come together and help one another during the famines that are coming. You need to start coming together and start being the church established by Christ without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. What is more merciful than to gather together with others? I mean, Israel left with the old and the young, the infirm. Everybody went. It wasn't just the young guys or guys that you know inherited something from their mom or whatever and they took off of the hills. They they left as a people because they became a people because they took care of one another in hard times. And hard times are coming. Opportunity knocketh on your door. Therefore, it are inexcusable. You've heard the gospel now of taking care of one another and that's true worship. That's true loving one another. That is truly keeping the law. O oh man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. You're worried about Muslims? You're worried about Al-Qaeda? Worried about the fact that you're not a Christian. And you're not seeking the kingdom. Oh, for yourself and your buddies. What about for everybody else? What about the the homeless lady? In, In, is it Marin County? Or the... The, the old lady in Las Vegas or the, uh, uh, the, the robbed guy in Texas. What about, you know, the crippled lady in New York? What are you doing for them? Do they have to go to the benefactors or exercise authority? Or are you going to be there for them? If you don't learn to take care of one another, you deserve condemnation. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou riches of his goodness and forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing? That the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I tell you, trying to do that, 
trying to take care of one another, coming together, gathering together in free assemblies, will bring you to the repentance you need. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Shall we read the rest of this? Who will render to every man according to his deeds? That's what God says to every man according to his deeds. God, does Paul think they are saved by works? Well, we'll see when we get back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're talking about all these people. He's talking about... uh, Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors. Boasters. Oh, I'm saved. What a boaster. How do you know you're saved? Oh, because I accepted Jesus. Is that what Jesus says? Is that what Paul says? Jesus says, not those who say, but those who do. Jesus says, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. Paul says it. Paul says, you know, backbiters, haters, covenant breakers. You're supposed to love your enemy. You're not supposed to hate anybody. Without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful. I mean, your Christianity makes room for everybody because your Christianity isn't Christianity. Because he goes on to say, but we are sure of the judgment of God. He's not talking about you guys. Just because you read the Bible doesn't mean he's talking about you. He's talking about the Romans he's talking about. He's saying that if you're all these other things, coveters, people who covet their neighbor's goods, Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, where whosoever thou art that judges. Are you judging others? Oh, these guys are bad, but you're good because you keep this day or that day? Or despite thou the riches of his goodness and the forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Well, repentance of what? Turning around from what? Turning away from the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority and to the men who are appointed by Christ to serve the people. Are you turning to offices that serve the people or the cookbook offices of service that devour the people? But after thy hardness and penitent heart because you haven't repented you haven't turned away from that you've gone into it worse than ever you've returned to the bondage of Egypt worse than ever heart treasurous up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds what you're doing now He is merciful. He will save by grace. But if you haven't turned around, if you're still there feeding the pigs, if you're still wallowing in the mire, if you still return to the vomit, to the bondage of Egypt, then don't tell me you've repented. Your your deed, the deed of the prodigal son was that he turned around and came back to serve. Or if you turned around to come back to serve, if you haven't, Your big screen TV in the church is not going to save you. 
your choir, your band, they're not going to save you. The preacher up there who tells you you're saved, just send him money, is not going to save you. And Christ is not going to save you either, because your deeds haven't anything to do with repentance. You are still coveting your neighbor's goods. You still became merchandise. You're still not following the way of Christ. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing. This is Paul. Seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. What well-doing? Keeping the commandments. Don't take Paul out of the context of Christ. Don't take Christ out of the context of the gospel of Christ. Now, you know, I deal with so many people that got it wrong. I have to be a little bit of John the Baptist here and, and, and beat you over the head with it. I know some of you are repenting, but we've got a lot of repenting to do. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. That's what he's offering them. Indignation and wrath. Tribulation and anguish. Upon every soul of man that doeth evil. That, that's not somebody who's been saved. These guys who think, oh, I've been saved, so I get to actually, I can't lose my salvation, so whatever I do doesn't really matter because I've accepted Christ and I'm saved by grace and so therefore I can do it and surely I will not die. Yeah, and I always use that phrase, surely I, you will not die because that's the devil talking to you that has got you to receive a damnable heresy because tribulation and anguish is going to be upon the soul of man that doeth evil and it is evil to covet your neighbor's goods and desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor. And to not work daily seeking the kingdom of God which operates by faith, hope, and charity. That's evil. That is not worshiping God. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good. This is Paul. Worketh good. So you got tribulation and anguish to those that covet their neighbor's goods. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that turns around and worketh good. Now, is he going to have to work a certain amount before he's... No, he's just got to turn around and head back with sincerity in his heart to serve. And how do you serve God? You serve one another. Because God don't need your help, but your neighbor might. So feed my sheep. To the Jews first, he says also, and to the Gentiles. And there is no respecter of persons with God. So I don't care what church you belong to. He could care less. What denomination you profess. It doesn't matter. And it matters whether you really repent and turn around and try to serve God. Now how do you do that without gathering together? How can you take care of one another if, you know, it's not like, well, I'm going to go out now and worship God and I'm going to give a $20 bill to every bum on every street corner I come across. And then I, I then... Hey, I did my alms. I gave to the needy. I'll just drive by and I'll stick the $20 bill out and he'll smile and, and other people will see that I'm an alms giver. What an idiot. That's not what Christ was preaching. He, he didn't give to everybody. He made them ask. He made them humble themselves before God. For there is no respecter of persons with God. 
And being poor is not honor enough. Maybe you deserve to go hungry for a little while. You deserve to suffer. That's your tribulation and anguish. Are we supposed to lift the tribulation and anguish off those that doeth evil? Paul says, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. If that man's in the gutter because he's doing evil, he should stay in the gutter. Until God says to get him out. We are not to make people comfortable in their tribulation and anguish until they repent. Now, that that doesn't, you know, we have to be careful because we have to be the Good Samaritan too. But we have to be wise Good Samaritans. There's no respecter of persons. For many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. That's Paul saying the doers shall be justified. You know, if we go over to Hebrews 3.10 and we read, Wherefore I was grieved with the generation and said, They do always err in their hearts. And they have not known my ways. And, and and we'll put in parentheses here. And have created public schools by taking away from their neighbor. Have created health care by coveting their neighbor's goods. By have elected Saul's and rejected me. And have turned away from the ways of Christ who told us not to pray to the fathers of the earth and the benefactors of the world who exercise authority, but to love one another. They've turned away from that way of loving one another. But they go to church to make them feel good. This is this is the grieved generation. That's you guys. So I swear in my wrath, he says, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. You don't believe that you can have a free society that doesn't exercise authority and still take care of all the social welfare needs of a sincere, diligent, hard-working society. You don't believe then, because that's what Christ was preaching. In departing from the living God, You know, you have your churches, your form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof to take care of the needy of your society and pure religion. But exhort one another daily. And that's what I'm doing. I'm exhorting the heck out of you. Daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Which is where everybody's at. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end you got to persevere unto the end this is what Christ says persevere strive seek seek what the right to be ruled by God how do you do that you take care of one another according to the perfect law of liberty according to Paul through faith open charity according to Paul and Jesus and John the Baptist 
You know that one of the articles goes on and talks about Leviticus 19, 9, 10, and 23, 22. The Lord speaking to Moses said, And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shall thy gather the gleanings of the harvest. Why are we to do that? We're supposed to leave that for the needy of the society, the poor and the strangers in our midst. Yes. And how do we do that? It's just, you know, like uh, we've seen guys try to give away and they have these little free giveaway deals where they they offer to the poor and there's like pandemonium. No, you do that in righteousness, you know. I mentioned in the last show Ruth and Boaz, and there's an old movie out about Ruth, and uh, she's out gleaning in the fields. And you could see that guys while harvesting would actually leave a bundle of grain, you know, back for the widows. You know, when they talk about the corners of the field, they don't just mean the corners. I mean, what do you do if they got a pivot? Those of you who don't understand, a pivot is a big, huge, round field. There are no corners. There's nothing growing in the corners. <laughs> because the irrigation, you you can see them in the air. They're out here all the time. But the pivot goes around, and there are no corners to the field because they only water in a circle. So I guess no widows and orphans, we'd have to give them anything because there is nothing growing in the corners. <laughs> but these are metaphors. In other words, you're supposed to be taking care of them. He talks about your almsgiving, and, and this is what he's trying to talk about. In Deuteronomy 24, 19, 22, when thou cuttest down the harvest, you know, in the fields, and hast forgot a, a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be the strangers. In other words, you, you, to provide for the needy, but they have to come out to the field and pick it up. I know people who have big, huge gardens and they offer other people in the community some of the free, healthy vegetables, but they don't want to go there. It's too much inconvenient to go pick them. So they they, they don't go. But that they, they, they go collect their food stamps. And they got good, healthy food offered to them for free. They just have to come and pick it out of the garden. They don't have to weed, they don't have to water, they don't have to plant. They just come pick it. They still won't come and pick it. (laughs) You are not supposed to be making the slothful comfortable in their sloth. You aren't to be doing that. You are to let them have their anguish and suffer with their iniquity and their wickedness. You should be taking care of the truly needy of your society that are willing to work and wanting to work and wanting to help one another. And that's what the network is about. And that's why you should volunteer to start building this network to gather together those people who want to do the will of God, want to be the workers of righteousness. In Romans 12, we read, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God. Now, I'm not always reading out of the King James because I'm reading from this article and he doesn't use the King James all the time. But normally I use just the King James, but i got to use his article. Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable spiritual service. This is what we're doing in the network. 
You got to come to serve, not come there and espouse some religious philosophy or, uh, how are you promoting the service, the welfare of society, the health, education, and welfare of society by working righteousness amongst you in faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty? Being not fashioned according to this age, which again we are in, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. That is taking care of one another. Will of God. Let love be without hypocrisy. The churches are full of hypocrisies. They they send you to the benefactors who exercise authority, yet we were told not to be like them. Abhor that which is evil. Stop coveting your neighbor's good. Stop coveting the benefits of the fathers of the earth. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly, affectionate, one to another, with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Gathering together. Distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. Who are the saints? That's those who are seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Be not overcome of the evil, but overcometh evil with good. You know, if you read in Acts 4, 32, and 34 and 35, and it says, And the multitude of the that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought uh, of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. Now, they weren't a communist society. Communist society is that the state owns all things and they can take away from you and give to others. Is that you shared amongst yourselves. If there was food on my table, there would be food on your table. Because my table is your table. My casa is your casa. But you don't get to take it. He still gets to decide to give to you or not because he has to decide whether you're one of the saints. And he decides that by what you're doing. Are you come together to serve or be served? What did Christ do? He came to serve. Are the ordinances of the law fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit of what? The Spirit of Christ who came to serve. This is what you need to be doing. This is what the church is. It's not a building. This is what true churchism, His holy churchism is, is loving one another in an active, organized way so that you do not lose a widow because, oh, I didn't see her there. You actually say, you... It's the buddy system times ten. This is what the early church was. And this is why we explain it all in Thy Kingdom Comes. But the fellow who wrote the churchism articles doesn't understand what the early church was doing with its property, with its offices, with its organization so that it was called the union and discipline of that early church was so profound it scared the emperors of the world. And if you actually started doing that, you would incur upon yourself some persecution, but you would also incur upon yourself the blessings of God and the protection of God and the protection of the Holy Spirit. And you would have nothing to fear from the Ananiases of the world or from the 
kings of the world who say that they're the ruler and their bellies rupture open and worms come out. There would be persecutions, but there would be salvation in this world and the next. And besides, what do you love? You know, there's, there's sacrifice is sacrifice. What can I say? He goes on and talks about worship, and we've already really touched upon that idea of worship, and we don't have a lot of time left in here, but we have a whole article up on worship and what worship really means. And it talks about bowing down and of service. Remember in Matthew 7.21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's, that should be pretty clear. The worship is not you praising God. Lord, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. I wave my hands in the air. It's putting tools in your hands and working for God. Being a doer of the word. Taking care of one another. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Taught about you. In thy name have cast out evil demons, devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. And he's going to say what? Get ye from me. I know you not. And then there are the foolish virgins who say, you know, we're not a part of the world. We're separate from the world. We're doing our own thing. We're virgins. We haven't, we haven't uh, married the world. We, we've kept ourselves separate. But you also played around. You did not set the table of the Lord. You did not trim your wicks so that there would be oil for others. You burned it up. And when you knock on the door, he won't even answer. And in Luke six forty six, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that which I say? You do the opposite. You go to men who call themselves benefactors, and you say, Give me benefits. And they say, Well, we have nothing to give you. Well, take away from others, and then you will have something to give me. And they said, Okay, we will do that. We will kick in your neighbor's door so that we will have enough money so that we can give you free education for your children. And then we will teach your children how your sons can be women and your women can be men. And we will teach them lies about history so that they will make good slaves someday and serve us. And your your public servants will be your public masters and they will be your gods and they will rule over you and then you, in the day you cry out and this says this over and over again in the testaments old and new I will not hear you because you've already rejected me in Luke 13.25 when once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door and ye begin to stand out without and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say, Unto you, I know you not, whence you are. Because you have no agreement with Christ. You do have agreement with Satan. You agree that you should exercise authority over your neighbor, and rule over your neighbor, and take from your neighbor. You, should, you, you have agreements with Cain and Nimrod. That's what puts you in Babylon. Not your feasts and festivals, but the spirit by which you lord it over others. You need to become men like Abraham, men of faith, who lived by faith, who left the city of Ur and left the city of Haran. And became a wanderer and built altars of clay and stone. And if you don't know what those are, 
You need to listen to our shows on that and our articles. You can read our articles on that and then the books on that. You can do a Google search on our website. There's a search engine up in the right-hand side. Just click on the guy peering out, and a search engine should appear. And search there for altars of clay, altars of earth, altars of stone. And you'll find out that the altars of stone were always living stone. And the altars of earth were always families. And the ways of God was always charity. And the ways of Satan was always force. And which one have you chosen? And why do you go to church and call him Lord, Lord, and do not the things that he says? In Exodus 4.31 it says, And the people believed, and when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped him. Are you ready to do that? They lavish gold out of the bags and weights of silver and balance. Are you willing to start to come together and take care of one another? Because that's the way of Christ. That's the way of God. And that's the ways of the kingdom. Until we meet again, may peace be upon your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.